You think that Canadian government has been raising interest rates because they want to control the way people live. We're not just talking about raising interest rates, you know, a percentage. We're raising from, you know, 1.2% to now we're at 5.5% or 5.2%. That's more than raising it, right? We more than doubled it. We're almost at triple it. Why we're doing this to curb inflation is because the Liberal government printed all this money. That's why we have inflation. That's why everything costs more. Right? We let all these companies get away with um, the bread-fixing scandal, where Loblaws and Dempsters got together and said, we can raise the price of bread, and nobody will say anything because we're the only two people that make and sell bread. We let them off with a $40 million fine years and years after they get caught. It doesn't seem like it's the right thing to do. That same thing happens with milk. Yeah. Right? The dairy farmers of Canada don't want milk to be brought in from the States. They want a monopoly on the milk. Yeah, you know what happens when we bring. You know what happens when you go to the states. You go to Walmart and get a gallon of milk mm-hmm. and a plastic jug. We have them in bags here in Ontario. I think the last time I went there was two bucks. It was there last month or something. Yeah, you get chocolate milk for the same price. How much is a bag of milk? You know, three little bags of milk here, six bucks. Yeah, no wonder why they don't want Americans selling their milk to us because <laughs> we won't buy the six dollar milk anymore. Yeah, we're saying inflation and all the price pricing for everything's gone up. Groceries, gas, all the stuff. Well, Justin Trudeau just made another carbon tax. The second carbon tax now, right? There's a difference between inflation and then the liberal government just saying that he wants us to spend more money. Well, isn't inflation technically down now? Inflation is down considerably right now. Sure. And they come out and they say that inflation is down. And it is down. It is down, right? The government and the liberals are going to say that we need to have all these taxes. And that's what's going to make this this a growing cause for concern. It's because inflation may be down, but then we just keep on adding taxes. Yeah. And then printing money. And we're just in that spiral that we're paying more taxes, but the government's just giving us more money. And then the homeowners are paying the price right now. And what happens when the Bank of Canada, the interest rates heights stop? Are they going to find someone else to pick on? But what I think we do know is that making us pay more money on our mortgage is not stopping inflation. That can't be the case when we're also raising prices on gas for carbon tax. And then we're printing more money for the grocery incentive. If you're low income, you get 500 bucks, 600 bucks. And that came out first week of July. Why does inflation happen? Inflation happens because there's too much money in the economy. That's what I think it happens. Yeah. Okay. And that's what happened during COVID. How does raising uh, raising bank interest rates and uh, increasing the cost of goods... It takes out the money in the economy. That's what they think. So people are not spending so liberally. Exactly. Okay. But then we print money. Yeah. Right? And we do a grocery rebate. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. We do carbon tax. Yeah. Right? We, we do all this stuff to like... It, count, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. If they're doing all that, they're raising the cost of everything. What what has been going down in price? Tell me. Cost of weed has gone down. Cost of weed apparently. has... Uh, cost of weed has <laughs> went down. Cost no, of apparently. Weed. And, that's, and I think that's like... Um, My cousin was telling me. It's an oversaturated market. <laughs> because wherever you look... There's a dispensary somewhere. Yeah, so it's funny because my so my my cousin was telling me that he used to buy weed from his dealers, and he used to say that when I was in high school, two hundred bucks an ounce. I was like, yeah, two hundred bucks yeah. an ounce, and then he says today you can actually get it for about eighty bucks an ounce. Crazy. And he says that's also why some people are growing these weed plants, and it's because uh, even if you call it a hundred bucks for an ounce, every weed plant will produce like one point six. Yeah. So that's like printing sixteen hundred bucks there. Even if you sell on the low side, a thousand bucks a plant, and you're allowed four plants, you can grow four thousand dollars a summer yeah and then we have the dispensaries competing with the people that grow weed in your backyard you're allowed four plants in your backyard yeah. so then it's like us competing with the banks and we're allowed four money trees in our bank backyard <laughs> yeah. it's the same type of thing no wonder why weed's cheap yeah, right. my cousin thinks that they're trying to they're trying to quote weed out the drug dealers i guess it's, I, <laughs> and they're just trying to like really squeeze them which i thought was like okay it's weird how much you we have to assume that the profit on weed 
It has to be a crazy number. I don't know. Like, it's just a plant, right? We just no, water the government, it to the they They'll have layers and layers of bureaucrats in order to grow the Well, product. exactly. Yeah, Same thing so. happens with beer. And the beer, yeah. you know, the beer store is owned by the, the large beer companies. They give no shelf space to any craft beer company. Yeah. They want to own the monopoly and, and the government, you know. And, you know, the PCs are a little bit more lenient on who gets to sell beer. Now we've seen grocery stores. They're talking about convenience stores. It probably will happen. But these big stores don't want that. And, you know, somebody let the... The beer store in control of these big beer companies mm-hmm. and have monopolies. LCBO, same thing. We live in that world that the government wants to control all the stuff that we buy. Yeah. And the only thing that we don't have control of is the grocery stores. We don't okay. have a government-based grocery store. No, exactly. So everything everything is just going crazy. Okay, but you asked me, uh, what's one product that went down in price? That's the one that I'm aware of that went down in price. Gas seems to fluctuate. Didn't gas go down a little bit? I think the year over year yeah. will always go up. It doesn't matter how much how much oil is in the system, and we could talk about how much oil Canada has and how much we are we're not selling natural gas is a huge topic right yeah. now because we're not selling our natural gas and we're not using natural gas. Yeah, nobody really looks at what individual items went down in price. I think everybody's just aware that their overall grocery bill went up in price. I think I used to spend like me and my girl we used to be quite conservative. I we we only used to spend about four hundred to five hundred dollars a month on yeah. groceries, including some alcohol. She used to shop on sales. She used to buy things and like stock up a little bit whenever and the average came up to like four or five hundred bucks and now she's up to like eight or nine hundred bucks a month yeah right so almost a thousand dollars pretty much goes to food when we budget now we budget a thousand dollars a month for food yeah. and groceries not and doesn't include like eating out excessively maybe like once every couple of weeks we go out to eat and that's because she likes to cook so i mean you people don't look at it as in everything has gone uh, individual items that have gone down because it doesn't even matter it's a drop in the bucket if anything has gone down and i think that's why we see restaurants hurting so much it's because the food costs has went up crazy. Yeah. You know, a year ago, again, we're I'm a big believer in flyers and deals and, and coupons, even coupons, right? It sounds crazy, but, you know, chicken, three ninety nine a pound, right? <laughs> that would go on sale, boneless, skinless chicken breast, three ninety nine. Yeah. Now it's five ninety nine a pound. Yeah. That's just the going rate. It used to be three ninety nine a year yeah. ago, right? That's a, that's a crazy jump. I always used to brag to my friends uh, about Chinatown, right? And mm-hmm. I, I went to Chinatown recently, and I actually haven't been for a while. I think I haven't been in about, like, properly been in, like, maybe about a year. Okay. And I went there, and I was in Toronto, shocked. In Toronto. Yeah, in Toronto, okay. right? And I was shocked that I went there, and my favorite place now, you couldn't go there and eat for under, like, buy two things for under 20 bucks. Yeah. And I'm appalled. Yeah. Right? It used yeah. to be you could go there for, like, $5 bill. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this is back in the day now. Yeah. Okay? But, like, uh, you know, it's crazy that you go there, and you order some singapore noodles chicken fried rice yeah. and it's like it's in the double digits yeah. it shouldn't yeah. be you know chinese food is always that 7.99 8.99 yeah. thing dine in chinese food is cheaper than mcdonald's <laughs> yeah. right yeah. that yeah. is sort of the idea but now it's more expensive so you go there and everything is just going up and they're obviously feeling it too commercial real estate rent prices are going up you've got uh, the cost of like their fresh produce going up you know, people are looking at all kinds of other alternatives even when it comes to groceries. I mean, we got called because um, a friend recommended it to us. Uh, there was this thing called Nutrifarm. Have you ever yeah. heard of them? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, so Nutrifarm, just for just to get bulk groceries. Yes. And they'll supposedly sell you like two years worth of meats. Let me give you a little hint here. Nutrifarm is a middleman, right? They have a farm, right, yeah. that specializes in cattle, and then a farm that specializes in chickens, farm that specializes in pork, and then, you know, a some sort of fish farm. They're just a middleman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're lucky that we live in Hamilton. We have great resources for the, the, There is cattle farms within an hour of the city. Yeah. There's chicken farms, you know, within 25 minutes of where we're sitting right now. Yeah. Where you can go there and get, you know, great prices that you can't get at um, even Old Frills. And the quality of the meat 
is top grade. And by visiting the chicken farm, you won't want to not eat chicken again? You don't actually go to the chicken <laughs> farm. They have little storefronts. Yeah, if you drive by the chicken... Yeah, chicken farms are just a gross, gross... <laughs> yeah, yeah. A yeah. gross place. A gross place. You know when you drive by and you can smell it? You're like, what's that? What's that, honey? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's a chicken farm. Yeah, it's a chicken farm. Yeah. You know what's funny? Um, So <sighs> I used to know this... Uh, I used to know this uh, Muslim guy who used to work with us. And mm-hmm. uh, one time we, we were, we were going to go order from Suvlaki place. So we were just like, okay, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? want yeah a uh, muslim guy says oh yeah i'll take the pork souvlaki yeah he says okay and then you know i didn't think about it I got back and i'm just like wait a minute you're muslim right and he's like yeah i'm like why are you eating the pork souvlaki he says well because i used to work at a chicken factory never eating chicken again yeah when, when the muslim guy is now eating pork because yeah. he doesn't want to eat the chicken i'm like okay yeah that's crazy and that's why a lot of the vegetarians have great points and i i talked to one vegetarian they said the smell the smell of cooking beef just like and it is true like you pay attention like it's not the best yeah that's why you're not supposed to pay attention back to the inflation thing the way that is going people got to wonder whether or not there is a breaking point whether or not there is a tipping point because i was just talking to somebody and they're saying how what they're waiting for and like as if, as if the you know when you when you look at what the government is doing you kind of got to wonder to yourself is it that they're total geniuses or is it that they're total idiots in terms of what they're doing is either a master plan or just a total like shit show okay so right? let, so let's break it down then if it, if they did have a master plan what would what would by them raising the interest rates and then same thing like the the grocery incentive the carbon tax if they had a master plan what would the master plan be? Well, if we were two politicians talking about a master plan, the master plan would be like this: Hey, we totally messed up printing out all this money. Okay. Why don't we fix it by passing the bill on to everybody else? See, now does that fix the problem? Then what could happen, right, is that we have a bunch of people going bankrupt. Well, if they keep it like this, like if they keep it stagnant, like let's say, okay, they, you know, uh, they're, they're going to raise the interest rate a little bit more again. And we're really hoping that this is now the teetering point, the point by which people will not be able to afford it. And it, it's kind of like an elastic band where if people can't afford the pressure for so long, the band is going to snap and yeah. people are just going to start collapsing. And when people start collapsing, the government has to do something, otherwise everything just falls apart, right? Like you, you can't yeah. let the tension in the bands break. Yeah. And if they do, what are you going to do about it? So I think what the government is planning on doing is they're planning on they're right now they're stress testing and they want to see whether or not the people can just hold these payments for X amount of time. Mm. And if they can, over the next ten years, yeah, the people are going to recover the debt as long as they keep, let's say, real estate prices stable stagnant just staying mm-hmm. there they don't go up and they raise interest rates to the point where uh low interest rates don't push real estate prices up mm-hmm. wait for wages to climb up to match because right now the delta the difference between wages and home prices is so crazy in canada they need i think they need that difference to be closed that gap to get closed good point good point but now let's talk about when we talk about wages going up we talk about Let's talk about, um, we have a lot of investor friends that invest in Windsor. Right across the bridge is Detroit. There's a big, um, between the two cities, on where should I put Ford Motor Company? Where should we develop batteries? Where should we, you know, we see them in Leamington, Ontario with the tomatoes. Why would we have a factory in Canada if we're paying our wages? You know, you work at Ford right now in Oakville, you make 30, oh, yeah. 30 bucks an hour, 35 uh, bucks an hour. Gonna, you go work in Detroit. Those. All those guys are going to go under. Right? You're not going to work. They don't, they're not going to be in Canada. No, Ford Motor Factory is not going to be no, around. They'll all be in the States. All the steel factories are going to be shut down. just going to be left there to rot. Yeah. So yeah. how does, you know, how does boosting wages up, you know, help us buy our house prices come down? There's, you know, it's two different things. 
right? We can't have everybody making 50 bucks an hour to afford a million dollar house. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, so tell me the okay. master plan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The master plan. The, the master, master plan is not well thought out. <laughs> the master plan that I would that I could think of what we're trying to do is we're trying to recruit some of that debt of printing that money, take some of that money back out of the economy, and by doing that, inflation should pause, and then you know everything will be back to... To normal right where inflation should grow you know it can grow a little bit every month right our wages can grow a little bit every month our job should be going down right now our jobs are going up mm-hmm. unemployment rates you know they're at a high for the past you know since COVID, which is a crazy crazy number yeah i don't know what the what the master plan is but i do know that by keep on doing this the the tent problem we have we want to talk about real people facing stress we're homeowners we're investors We'll ride it through, but imagine if you did work that $20 an hour job, you saved up all your money to put down that 5% down payment, you just qualify, you know, the broker, you know, tried to go to this bank, to this bank, and then finally found this bank, and that was at 2%, right? And the, yeah. and the stress test was at 5%. Now, what are you doing? No, yeah, now you're in trouble. Now you're, you're in trouble. If you're renewed, Should that person be in trouble? I mean... Should that person that have, could save for a down payment, have the credit to finally buy that house, right? The, the key to um a successful retirement is home ownership at an early age by home under th- before you're 30 you should be successful when it comes to retirement time when you're 55 60 as a great country that we live in canada our economy shouldn't be a- at a place where when you're 25 you need to by that time graduate university get a job out of university we know how hard that is to graduate university let alone get a job right out of university and then instead of you know traveling for a year or you know buying a car or doing whatever you want to do all your money to get saved for a house, for an overpriced house downtown Hamilton that you're paying $650,000 for, <laughs> yeah. right? That was worth $70,000, you know, 15 years ago. And now you're losing the house because the government printed too much money during COVID. But That's, we live in the best country in the world. Have you seen those charts where they talk about how Canada is actually leading in terms of recovery? Okay, what do the charts say? Just that apparently Canada has one of the highest uh, GDP recoveries in the G7. Which is a good number. And I don't know what they would base that number on. We went through a crazy time where a lot of people lost work lost hours companies struggling you know restaurants a huge thing air you know the tourism industry it shouldn't be yeah it shouldn't be the strongest recovery when i hear about strongest recovery how do they get i don't know if that's always the best thing because a slow and steady recovery is something that i'm looking for well you know what this is one of the first times where i can actually see people straining you know people sometimes talk about how hard things were and i thought about especially when you've traveled to other countries and you see that things aren't are like things are pretty good here but this is one of the first times where i see people being rather conservative in their spending you know things are actually getting quite expensive and you know people are feeling the strain and uh, then you look at it in other countries and the way that they're recovering and sometimes you got to wonder whether or not they actually have a good financial economic outlook because if the people aren't straining at least if they're straining here does is the outlook looking promising for canadians yeah and I, and I would like to see that again with your charts that you say that we have the best economic recovery yeah yeah so what does the outlook look if we have the best right the outlook <laughs> for you know year one to year five what does it look like well, we, it, it makes me wonder what it looks like in other countries yeah because if this yeah. is what it looks like being yeah. like pretty good i'm like wow it must be really bad wherever they're from yeah and i want to see you know what's what's the unemployment rate going to be what's the minimum wage going to be in, in a couple years from now then what's the average house price what's the average rental price yeah. We and again we're a real estate company, so then we go back to you know average home price and average rental price in a city like Hamilton. How can how can people afford rents like that? It uh, one bedroom apartment seventeen eighteen hundred dollars a month nineteen hundred in some cases. Crazy. Like, 
It's a lot of money Crazy. for like, uh, and they're renting out condos. You know, yeah. Dude, there was a condo that was listed for twenty nine hundred dollars in Toronto, a one bedroom, six hundred square foot condo, yeah. and they took it off the listing and relisted it for thirty four hundred because yeah. they realized they risked, they listed it too cheap. Six hundred square foot, yeah. thirty four hundred dollars plus utilities. It's crazy. That's like people's mortgages in other in in other smaller cities. Yeah, that's a that's a big mortgage too. Like thirty, yeah, like that's a big mortgage. When you say that we have a great economic outlook is that great economic outlook the thing that boggles my mind is i don't understand exactly where people are getting this money from like we have we have we have a couple of tenants that we rented to and uh and honestly it the numbers look tight for one person to be renting out a place for seventeen hundred dollars and then if you really consider their actual non-tax take-home income, yeah. they're not living that well. You're renting out a place for 2000 bucks a month. Unless you have a partner, then you can have a pretty decent lifestyle. Yeah, you need two people to live in an apartment. There's no way as one person, you need a really, really good job to afford a $2,000 apartment. And we're just talking about that's, a ba- that's just a base, low-price apartment in yeah. Hamilton for one bedroom. Yeah. That's a decent apartment. It's not a great apartment. It was, I think Andrew Hines was saying it, that you have to be in the top 5% of the income earner in order to afford the average homes in Canada. Top 5%. That's what he was that's saying. A, that's, that's a good stat. That would be, that would crazy, be crazy. That would be crazy. The top 1% is something around $500,000. The top 5% was something around $180,000. And then the top 10% was something in a, in and around like $110,000, $120,000. That's crazy to me because we we know that generally right now, if you're making about $100,000, that qualifies you for about a $500,000 mortgage. So if you have two people working $100,000 a year, uh, that will qualify you to buy about a million dollar property. You make way too much money to own such a little piece of property. Exactly. That's the problem, right? right? So people who are making over $100,000, it almost seems like if you're not making over $100,000 a year, both two, like a couple is yeah. not making each hundred over $100,000 a year, that it becomes very challenging to afford a property. And even that, that's kind of like your max. You're stretching yourself to the max. And I think that even if you were to make over 100000 and then your house would be more expensive, you're still having a rough time. Like no matter what you're doing, unless your house is paid off with the rates, you're just, you know, struggling, yeah. struggling. You're going to work just to pay your mortgage. You're not going to work to save. You're not going to work to go on vacation. That's all about to pay the mortgage right now, which is crazy when you, you know, if someone from another country sees this, what it would look like if I made six figures in another country. No, this is why people who are able to sell their properties in Canada and they have a reasonable amount of equity, they're looking at other countries and they're just like, why would I live in Canada? I mean, if it has a reasonable standard of living, I would consider moving there. I mean, you can buy houses in Europe for a couple hundred thousand euros. Even in the East Coast, right? We always, I dream about, you know, packing up selling everything off here and go work at walmart as a greeter in, in the east coast <laughs> yeah right we'd live a good life out on oceanfront property yeah everything would be fine and dandy yeah as a greeter <laughs> yeah as a greeter in walmart yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no can, stress yeah no stress hello that's it that's <laughs> yeah. a good life is that not a bad life yeah i guess not. some people want to achieve to do to do better in life and i guess you know i'm in one of those those categories so i guess i can't be the greeter but it does sound nice it does sound nice yeah i know there there's a certain degree of like peacefulness to it now honestly with 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 inflation the way that it is it's posing a lot of challenges for people when it comes to the the the, the daily bread and butter literally yeah. right the daily bread and butter that you need uh, your daily living, uh, any kind of recreation. People are limiting themselves. People aren't traveling yeah. as much and people are definitely not affording homes. How many mm-hmm. people do we know that decided to sell their homes, exit the real estate market and get into renting? That's the first sign of obvious indicators that's telling us that the disparity between homeowners and those who don't own 
is getting larger and larger. And it's getting harder and harder, right? So as, as money, much people want to cash out to have that money in the bank, you know, money in the bank, what, what's that good for, right? It's good because you can wake up and go on the app and see all the money in the bank. Yeah. That's the only, like, there's no reason why money should be in the bank, right? The, the goal here is that you should always want to own a home. Yeah, no matter what. Their argument is there, just so you know, that uh, you cannot uh, you cannot realize profits when you have it in equity in a home, right? So you need to. It's good to have a roof over your head and to have like something, and then you need your daily your daily bread and butter. You don't need that much money in the bank. So let's say this then. So if if you do that and you sell your house, let's let's use me an example. I'm, I'm 30. I sell my house. I cash out. Let's say I get 100, 200 grand in the bank. Whatever. What do I do with that money? <laughs> I mean, what do I do with it, right? That's a good question. Now, when I'm 55, six years old, now what do I do with the money, right? I sell my house. Now I go live in Europe. Now, go now I go live in the East Coast. Now I can be a greeter in Walmart. Now you go buy youth. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Right? Now it's time where, you know, this money can be my paycheck for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, and I no longer have to work. Yeah. Now it's when you can live life. So that's that's what, you know, the goal should always be. I was talking to somebody about um, what's their strategy for real estate investing in Canada, and they were saying don't invest in Canada anymore. There's a lot of people who feel very Canadian that are, feel disappointed of the fact that they don't have, they don't share the positive outlook for Canada as they used to, and people are looking at moving. It's a little crazy that people are waving that we're not the best country in the world. Right, and I'm and I'm biased. I think we are the best country, even though the the bank hand is fucking around, the liberal government is fucking around. I still think we're the best country in the world. I think that everybody will always visit here. Doesn't matter if you're from the states, from Mexico, from Europe, from a war torn country like Ukraine. If you go from Ukraine, and I and I met a couple of people where they went from Ukraine to a European country, and were offered a visa in the states, offered a visa in Canada, mm-hmm. and they took Canada all, always, always. I think that's still the everybody case. wants to come and live in Canada. Yeah, they want the opportunity in Canada. The states has way too much stuff going on. When you think about the two superpowers or where people want to live from, you know, the Western world, it's the states and Canada. It's usually the states. And now there's so much problems that the states has when it comes to, you know, healthcare is always going to be a big topic. But the gun violence now is crazy. The the racism that they have over there is crazy. Maybe it's not the best to invest in because it's super expensive for investors to invest in. But people will always want to live in Canada. I think that sometimes when I compare the U.S. and Canada and I see people moving to Canada, I feel that that is what they're paying the premium for. They're paying the premium for the fact that no guns are allowed. They're paying the premium for the fact yeah. that uh, violence and crime is less in Canada yeah. than it is in the U.S. The gun control we have here is, you know, yeah. super, and the healthcare super tight. aspect, right? The fact that here we do have free healthcare, I think people still pay a premium for the for that and knowing that this is available and they want to come here for that. Yeah, we have a good job market. You know, our house, and again, as landlords, we would fight that the rules are too tight on landlords and how we have to keep our properties and we provide housing in a certain manner. Yeah stays you know very more lenient on that way so you know as a as a person coming from another country to come rent in canada you know you're moving from you know war-torn country and you're living in an apartment in hamilton even it's a big difference (laughs) so no wonder why you want to come to canada we don't have to compare it there (laughs) to a war-torn country no i'm still saying hamilton's way better yeah 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 it It is way better yeah it doesn't matter yeah. Now, if I compare the war-torn country to Chicago, yeah. you know, same thing. Tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> yeah. Why would you leave from Ukraine to Chicago? Just fighting another war. True. You want to go someplace with all the violence. Yeah. I wonder if Chicago Police Department would hire you if you're from Ukraine. They probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, see, over, the, you're overqualified. Yeah. See, that's the difference. The gun violence in these in these cities are just, everybody has a gun. I don't know what your views on guns are. My views, 
I'm not around guns. Never been around guns. I don't think anybody needs a gun. I don't think our cops need a gun. And I think that's no, just how we cops need a gun. No, they shouldn't need a gun. <laughs> no, give them a taser. <laughs> what do they it? need a gun for? What is it that they're in? Uh, this, the what do they have? They they did this in the UK, didn't they? Where they gave all the cops batons or something? Yeah, a whistle or something. Oh yeah, something yeah. silly. Something. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if we don't have any guns, so now we do have some guns that come in illegally from the states. But if we didn't have any guns, then what's the point of cops needing guns? Right? If there's zero guns, I mean, that's a great philosophical question. I don't know. Yeah, nobody needs a gun. 